Are we are we doing audio? Okay, it's gone. Cool. I was thinking tonight about something that that I have been saying at the end of retreats that uh, I've been leading really for the last twenty years or so. Uh, the for twenty years I've been saying this at the end of the retreats, and it is the. Um, it is a reframing of, of the way that I think of meditation practice. And hopefully this will be of, of some value in terms of uh, the, the sense of being able to, to practice in our life, to be able to, and when I say practice in our life, it means simply to stay awake in our life and to learn how to... Uh, to live in the in reality in the in the present time, the only time that we can find reality, and to live in reality in a way that is um, open-hearted, wise, skillful, non-harming, and uh, and calmly, so that we that we are not uh, perpetuating a a cycle that seems to drive all our lives a cycle of restlessness and agitation and an obsession with, with getting somewhere, becoming someone, uh, the obsession with what's next, the, the effects of being caught in the, what, what I like to call the trance of time uh, that, uh, that tends to, to leave us feeling as though we can't really trust uh, our life in the present moment as being sufficient, as being enough. And then part of our thoughts are, not only is the present not sufficient, sufficient or enough, I am not sufficient and I am not enough. And so much of our internal narrative then uh, becomes one of seeking, seeking experiences, seeking Enlightenment, seeking, uh, seeking quiet, seeking all sorts of things. And sometimes because of that habit of seeking uh, and the habit of our, our usual habit of going out of ourselves in search, seeking in another moment, even the seeking for freedom, even the seeking for um, meditative insight, even the seeking for enlightenment ends up being in some measure a torment to our minds rather than, uh, than really liberating. So the question that has come up over the years at the end of retreats is how do I, I've realized something about living in the present moment. I've realized in the course of this retreat that I have within me this amazing capacity to, uh, of presence, I realize now all of a sudden my mind now feels so big. I feel as though that uh, the wider my mind gets, the more soft and relaxed and easy my body gets. And I notice that my heart is so tender. And I notice, how do I carry this into my daily life? How do I... How do I um, take my practice home? 
how do I integrate how do I integrate this practice into my life? And invariably, uh, well, I, I imagine that even though you were not in the middle of a retreat, this may be a question that arises for you. How can I have this practice alive in my life? And, but on retreat, what happens to yogis is they start to think about taking their practice home to their life. And then they start to, and this is just a way of thinking, we start to think of, our, think, think of ourselves as somebody with a practice. This is a kind of identity. Think of ourselves as a meditator who's going to take my little practice that I've been guarding over the course of this period, and you may even think of it at night. I've, I'm a meditator, and I've... I've I'm going to take this practice that I'm, everything I'm learning, and I'm going to take it back into my, into my big life where people aren't meditators. People think I'm weird. Where every time I've tried to do it before, I've eventually forgotten. And then I've turned into a bad meditator, or I've... And the moment we start to think about how am I going to keep this practice alive in my daily life, how am I going to take it home with me, as soon as I've projected, nothing's really happened yet, remember. This is all in my mind. But the moment my mind creates the idea of me taking my practice into my daily life, which seems like a very innocent and conventional way of doing it, because I may be leaving the Tuesday night group, I may be leaving the retreat uh, to go home to my loved ones, etc. So it seems reasonable to think of taking my practice home with me. But the moment we do that, we start to think of ourselves as little, and the, the life that we're going to is much bigger. And then if we have a, t a tendency, as most humans do, to proliferate, to think a lot about whatever that is that, that we think of as our life or ourselves, we not only talk about going home in the general, but then we think about all the specifics. And the specific that usually arises after a, a time that we've sat, and it's sometimes when people sit in the morning, they, the specifics are, what do I have on my schedule today? And at the end of retreat is everything that has to be, every relationship that I have to navigate, all the difficult people in my life, my job, and uh, my finances, and my, my habits, and everything that I want to fix in my life. And before they even step out of the room or the class or the retreat, there's a, a high level of anxiety. Do you recognize any of this pattern in any area of your life? So you can see how our mind, without anything really happening, our mind can uh, create, as Mark Twain says, many of the worst experiences I ever had never happened. Our mind, within a flash, can construct a whole world. This is why the Buddha said, within this fathom-long body lies the world, lies the cause of the world. How our mind just creates a world and creates somebody in it who is, who is, who is, uh, who's becoming. 
who's on their way. They've come from the past. They're passing through the, the present on my way to the future. And this is a, just a way of thinking. It's not, it's not, it hasn't, none of, none of that's ever really happened. Nobody has ever gone from the past, passed through the present on their way to the future. That's conventional. It may be true from a conventional point of view. I, I was once small, now I'm 60, and pretty soon I'll be, you know, <laughs> cremated, you know. <laughs> so, but that's a story. The fact is, I have never, I have never in this entire span of life, and maybe many lives, who knows, but I have never, ever gone anywhere. I have only and always been right here, present. I have only, whether I was zooming down the road, I was behind the wheel, whether I was zooming across North America as I was just this weekend, as I was, I was right where I was, I was present. When I arrived home, I was present. When I left home the next morning, I was present. As I was going, wherever I was going, I was present. I have never truly, truly gone anywhere but here. Now, my body's moved around a lot and everything, but I'm right here, always. That is true for every one of us. We have, none of us has ever left the unfolding present. We have only imagined that we did. How does it feel to know that you've never gone anywhere? That you've always been right where you are? So I noticed that from in the reality that I've never gone anywhere, that I'm always right where I am, no matter whether my body, no matter what's happening, you know, that you've heard the expression, wherever you go, there you are. I realized if I'm truly living with that understanding, if I'm not just having a conversation with you about it, but I'm truly living with that understanding, then my life consists of, of many, many experiences. Basically, six experiences. I talk about it every week. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling things in my body, thinking, and then all the, all the actions that are happening in this unfolding present. But basically, there's a lot of experiences happening right now. But all those experiences that happen right now happen only a moment at a time. Of course, there's no dividing line between one moment and the next, but, but we use that, we can use that language. There's basically, I can only deal with what's happening right this second. Because this is where reality is. It's the only place there's ever been is this instant that we are together. Everything else is is based, everything else is a story, it's a memory. So whatever happened today, if you think about it, it's a memory happening in this present. Whatever you were doing today while you're doing it, it was in the present of that, it was that present moment. So when I, when I reflect on the fact that 
every experience I've ever had, no matter how high the drama, how deep the paranoia, how insecure the insecurity, how frustrated, it was just a moment in this unfolding now. It was just a moment. And when I think of that, and when I realize and live with the understanding, I know, I know that the totality of my life is this moment. And that that's all I ever have to deal with is one moment at a time. And I know that I can accommodate one moment at a time. If I, on the other hand, project this big bad world that I have to deal with, it's way too much for me to handle in one moment. And when I think that way, when I start constructing the world that I live in and the things I have to deal with, I get anxious because I'm trying to accommodate more than I can possibly accommodate in any one moment. So I've complete, I've, in some way, I have uh, become disconnected from reality when I'm when I've, and I'm living in a kind of virtual version of reality, which is uh, mostly anxiety-producing. Sometimes really fun when I think of all the places I'm going to go and all the things I'm going to do. But that's not, it's not reliably fun. It's often unreliably fun, sometimes fun, but often uh, filled with a little bit of, uh, a lot more anxiety. So what I started saying at the end of retreats was rather than trying to integrate your practice into your life, why don't you simply stay where you are and integrate your life as it presents itself, which is really how it is, integrate your life as it presents itself into your practice, which is always here. So tonight, for example, while I was sitting, I was remembering that... Uh, I never go anywhere, that my life is an unfolding now. So I simply thought of integrating or receiving whatever was presenting itself in my life for that moment. I didn't feel as though I had to accomplish anything with my meditation, get somewhere. I didn't need to be the meditator that, that started at the beginning of the sitting and made it to the end. Even though, and once I construct that, then, then it's white knuckling for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> When's the damn bell going to ring? Now that might happen anyway, even if I'm just receiving what comes into my mind. But if I treat it as this is what's happening in my mind right now, this is what I'm receiving, that's workable too. It, isn't it interesting that my mind says, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the end? Oh, there's the time projection. Because something's unpleasant, my mind is creating, a, a, it feels unpleasant, that unpleasantness is creating dislike. Dislike is then generating this, this, uh, this new idea of time, and time then seems endless. Of course, and then when I receive a pleasant moment, experience, and it goes, oh, this is delicious, then my mind if I get caught up in the pleasantness, then my mind, because of liking, it produces a little story of time that says, oh, I only have 30 minutes left. I think I could sit endlessly. And all of this is, comes from 
and none of, nothing's really happened again. Nothing ever happens. It's just an unfolding of present moments. And so, even though, if I'm not knowing that my life is always here, then the drama that plays through my mind seems totally real and totally anxiety-producing. If I know that I'm only living in this unfolding now, moment by moment, then even if my mind is in a state of high drama, and it's noticing, oh my, I'm constructing this and I'm constructing that, and I'm worrying and I'm fearful and I'm excited, I see that these are all simply unfolding present moments. It's, they're all workable. And so my, my reframing is to integrate whatever it is that is in your life, that shows up in your life, integrating it into your practice. Where, and your practice is simply being here, now. And how do we integrate whatever shows up in our life into our practice? Is by practicing. And what did the Buddha suggest we do as a way of remembering that there is only this unfolding now. He said, put your mind in your body. You're disembodied when you're creating all this story of time. You're literally disconnected. You, you enter in, into a, a virtual you who's got to get somewhere, and our, our organism registers that as saying, you've forgotten me. You're forgetting that I'm here, that, that everything you need is here. Only you have to stop going out in search. He says, let that anxiety you feel be the reminder of your love of being here. And put your mind, as he said in the first foundation of mindfulness, know that you are sitting, know that you're breathing, know whether your, bre your breath is short, know whether it's long, know whether it's rough, smooth. Know when your body is aching. Notice when it's burning. Notice when it's stabbing, itching, tingling. Whatever it is, know what's happening in your body. Because your body is always here. It's not somewhere else. So no matter how, where or how far you wander, your body is only a split second, uh, an instant of remembering away. You have, it takes no time to reconnect with your body. And it is through the body, through mindful, as the Buddha described it, mindfulness directed to the body, that the body is calm, the mind is calm, and all the, all the, um, everything we need for the, for uh, the sure heart's release, all the wholesome qualities, all the innate qualities of the nature of our hearts are here. They cannot be found anywhere else. It's just all happening right here. So when I started to reframe leaving retreats, because I used to do three, four months at a time where I was immersed in silence and, and uh, come out into a few times I went out, several times actually, I, I went out, uh, ended the retreat, went right into New York City. I had a friend, my dear friend, Hope Eigelhart, wherever you may be. I would go to New York City and stay with her at the end of retreats, and she had, she had done a little practice, so she had some sensitivity to what I was going through. And uh, at first it seemed, you know, I felt as though I was on an acid trip coming out of, you know, it was very dramatic. 
But then I, I just started to see that the whole thing was just a moment at a time, and it was you know, moments of overwhelm, sure, and I'm super sensitive, and, but then I realized I, I can deal with a moment at a time, and then this one, and then this one, and then this one, and then... So then it, it just... I started saying over and over again, don't try to integrate your practice into your life. Just bring your life as it shows up into your practice. And so when you get home from wherever you've been, so tonight even, when you go home, and let's say you, you live with people, and they show up in your present moment, you say, wow, here you are. You were not here, and now you're here. I don't know how you got here, but here you are. And as you go to work tomorrow and the difficult person shows up in your day, now you're here. You must, have, you must be here for a reason. <laughs> I don't know why you're here. I can't get along with you very well, but since you're here and you're part of the space of my mind right now, maybe I'll try to get along with you a little bit better. And I think that if you do take in your life, receive your life, you're in my mind, you're in my life, you will um, maybe uh, feel more kindly disposed toward whoever's there. I don't know, for some reason, you know, the more I'm here with you, the more I realize that you're here with me in my mind right now, I, I feel very connected to you. And I, wanna, I, want to, um, I wanna just appreciate that. I don't wanna just be caught in the story of I'm in the middle of the Dharma talking and, and trying to get to the end of it and, and don't make me have this conversation right now. And I want to really inhabit this experience. I don't want to miss it because this is the totality of my life. Even that difficult person that may be showing up. Now, it's easy to talk about. It's another to actually stay present with that difficult person. But even staying present with the difficult person, if we keep our mind settled in our body, is, uh, is a, it's a kind of protection. It's a protection from becoming fixated on that person. Uh, it helps keep, keep ourselves in that field of awareness so that we're just not leaving ourselves, not abandoning ourselves. So then once we're embodied and we're experiencing our life coming into our practice, then the Buddha recommended that you tune into the, 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 the valence, of the feelings that are arising, the pleasantness of certain feelings and the unpleasantness of other feelings and the, and the feelings that are neither pleasant or unpleasant. And if you do that, then you will, you'll see that the pleasant feelings come and go and the unpleasant ones come and go and if you don't see that, if you're disembodied and you don't see the pleasant feelings, they'll easily be followed by liking, and pretty soon you'll be back in the, into time, moving from the past through the present onto the future when you can replicate some pleasant experience or hold on to it or whatever. And if you miss the unpleasant, then you all of a sudden you'll be into disliking and your mind will then be projecting how you're going to move from the past through the present on our way to getting rid of whatever it is that's unpleasant. And pretty soon we're disembodied again. So we want to feel what's going on. We want to become in both physically and emotionally articulate. So then we also want to know the state of our heart and mind and learn how to accommodate that. 
and not just think about our feelings and think about ourselves in time, but actually feel our feelings. What's the state of your heart and mind right now? Is my heart easy? Is it tight? Is it agitated? Is, it, is there calm? Is there excitement? Is there restlessness? Is there agitation? Is there doubt? Is there fear? What, what's the state of my heart right now? Ask yourself. If you're bringing your life experience into your practice right now, you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to know what's, what's the reality. What's, what's your experience right now? We can't, we can't usually trust that this is enough. That it's enough to know where we are. We actually think that we have to be more than one place at a time. Even though we know that's impossible. Because you think, well, does that mean I can't plan? No. We realize that planning is being received in our practice. And does that mean I can't remember what happened before? No. Remembering happens here and now, too. Does that mean that uh, I can't plan my vacation and look forward to it? No. Looking forward happens here, too. And getting a very clear picture of what I want to do and where I want to go happens right here. I don't have to... But I don't want to live in those plans and become disembodied because then I'm, I'm left in a state of, as I say ad nauseum here, I'm left in a state of suspended happiness. If I'm spending all day waiting till that great experience or all week or all life, that's not living. That's being in a basically a state of complete prison of time. And it has, unfortunately, waiting has never made anybody truly happy. It's just made us chronic waiters. And then with a few little dandruffs of pleasant experience at the end of the rainbow, all that life of joy we've missed while we were, while we were making other plans. So. so bring your life into your practice. It's always here. And then finally... If you bring your life into your practice, you will see, as Ajahn Chah says, you will see many strange and wonderful things come and go. But you'll be still. You'll be calm. This is the happiness of a Buddha who sees that everything that arises has the nature to pass away. And that life is a magical display of changing conditions like the weather. But you, but your nature, your practice, is realizing that within all of that, you are the immovable. You are the one who knows. You're the, you are the, the light of awareness through which all this is experienced. This light having a human experience that's just awesome if, you're, if you receive it. If you're really receiving what's happening, if I'm really receiving you right now, just the fact that we're here is incredible. The fact that I can see and hear and smell and taste and feel and actually be present for that, that's incredible. And I see that what I experience in the, the simplicity of the present moment is so much different than the little world of anxiety 
and fear and paranoia and narrowness that I live in, in my, in my uh, imagination. Now, on the other hand, if I'm receiving my practice, here it is, right here, and I notice my little world that I construct in my head, then I can say, wow, look at how amazing it is that my mind is creating this identity of complete paranoia, fear, and insecurity. Wow, that's not me. That's just some kind of insulting, distorted version of me. There's no me in that little story. It's just a just some kind of character that got somehow split off from reality. And then I've I've actually up to this point I thought that was me. It's a joke. I was talking, you know, I always share that line from J- from from uh, James J. Audubon, he says, if, you, if there's a difference between the bird, which is our experience here, if there's a difference between the bird and what the field guidebook says, that story that's playing through our mind, believe the bird. Oh, that story is just, it's a tired old story of anxiety and time. And, you know, we, our stories are beautiful and they come from our, from our, they've been forged by all of our past experiences. But they, they miss something. And that's what, when we awaken, we awaken, we include our story, our personal story, our personal psychology, but we expand beyond that to see that we are, in our nature, completely indescribable beyond all that, beyond the, the limitations of our personality view, what the Buddha called Sakaya Ditti. It's just a story. It's just a view. And, and once we're born into that story, that's where the world of suffering takes place. When you step out of that story or notice that story, that's where we find freedom. And so if you want, I think every one of us in our hearts of, heart of hearts wants not just to seek, not just to be seekers endlessly seeking, but we want to be finders. And the good news is you don't have to lift out of this moment to be a finder. That the the very one who is seeking uh, is what we are seeking for. Which is that, that longing to be home. As I read this on the half day retreat, if I can still find it. Nisargadat Maharaj, you are really in search of yourself without knowing it. You are love, longing for the love-worthy, the perfectly lovable. Due to ignorance, you are looking for it in the world of opposites and contradictions. When you find it within, your search will be over. All you need, you have. Use it. Behave as best you know. Do what you think you should. Don't be afraid of mistakes. You can always correct them. Only intentions matter. The shape things take is not within your power. The motives of your actions are. All you need is already within you. Only you must approach yourself with reverence and love. Self-condemnation, self-distrust are grievous errors. Your constant flight from pain and search for pleasure 
is a sign of love you bear for yourself. All I plead with you is this, make love of yourself perfect. Deny yourself nothing, give yourself infinity and eternity and discover that you do not need them. You are beyond. So let's rest in the... As the one who knows... Removing the idea of the seeker, removing whatever we are seeking, and see what we are when we stop looking ahead and looking back. What do you need now as you receive your life into your practice? What is missing now? If we're serious about our practice, we will keep bringing everything into it. May all beings integrate their life into their practice. May all beings be free. May all beings live with ease. May all beings love. Okay, one last quote while we're at it. This is just one last little punch for, for staying connected with ourselves. It is the words of Nelson Mandela since this is the day of his memorial. He says, and this is his uh, meditation practice, and you can see his, he was... By this quote, he was practicing, he was in prison for 27 years. And, and then, of course, he integrated his life into his practice. You may find that the cell is an ideal place to get to know yourself, to search realistically and regularly the process of your own mind and feelings. In judging our progress as individuals, we tend to focus on external factors, such as one's social position, influence and popularity, wealth and standard of education. But internal factors may be even more crucial in assessing one's development as a human being. Honesty, sincerity, Simplicity, humility, purity, generosity, we covered that tonight, absence of vanity, readiness to serve your fellow humans, qualities within reach of every being, 
every soul, are the foundations of one's spiritual life. At least, if for nothing else, the cell gives you the opportunity to look daily into your entire conduct to overcome the bad and develop what is good in you. Regular meditation, say, about 15 minutes a day before you turn in, can be very fruitful in this regard. You may find it difficult at first to pinpoint the negative factors in your life, but the tenth attempt may reap rich rewards. Never forget that a saint is a sinner that keeps on trying. So don't give up bringing your life into your practice, moment by moment, and you will reap great rewards. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.